Suns here. Latest episode of Locked On Suns, part of Locked On Podcast Network. Today's audio host Evan Sidery, and I'm joined by our very special guest today's episode, Gerald Borgay of Fansided. Gerald, how are you doing today? Pretty good, Evan. Pretty nice to uh, return to relative normality tonight. Oh, I know, right? First time in four and a half months we've had NBA basketball on tap, and for the Phoenix Suns, their first scrimmage game of three happened tonight against the Utah Jazz. And the Suns are pretty impressive tonight, I have to say, Gerald. On both ends of the court, they're pretty solid. Fundamentally, kudos to Monty Williams for really having this team ready to go because they ended up winning tonight's game against Utah in a scrimmage, 101-88. Mikhail Bridges, DeAndre, and Devin Booker led the way, which is a, a really solid sight for those wondering about this young core, how they progress over these four months being out of the action. But what was your biggest takeaways from tonight's game, Gerald, where it seemed like from the very beginning the Suns were really tapped into almost playoff mode in a scrimmage game? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the biggest takeaways early on were that uh, Devin Booker looked pretty great. He looked very smooth. Um, you know, his offense clearly has not gone away with the time off. Um, Mikael Bridges also really stood out as a very effective and impactful two-way player. He had that one sequence uh, that you, I think you tweeted the video clip of it where he um, he had the three in the corner – then he had the steal for an open dunk, and that's just kind of the epitome of the impact that he can have when he is aggressive and when he's really feeling it uh, on both ends. And then uh, the kind of bench and backup point guard situation was actually more impressive than I thought, especially for a team that was already missing Rubio and uh, Kelly Oubre. Um, it was nice to see Ty Jerome, Cameron Payne, and, and Javon Carter all show um, you know, little flashes here and there, so that was nice. Let's hit on McHill for a second, Gerald, because like you mentioned, I think he was the star of tonight's game, at least for me. 14 points, five rebounds, a steal on six and nine field goal attempts in a little over 20 minutes tonight. And that's the kind of aggressive McHale that I think every Suns fan wants to see, and especially Monty Williams, he mentioned that postgame as well. And I asked Devin Booker about a postgame, and he echoed the same sentiment Monty did as far as they want to see McHale always be aggressive. And it's really critical to them that McHale is aggressive on both ends because it feels like to me, Gerald, if McHale is like this on a more consistent basis, it kind of unlocks more and more of this Suns offense. Absolutely. I mean, he is like, he was aggressive in attacking the basket early on too. You know, it wasn't just settling for jumpers or, uh, you know, catch and shoot looks. He was very aggressive cutting off the ball and attacking the basket. He had a couple of takes that uh, I had to double check my screen and make sure that was actually Mikhail Bridges with, with just some of the, that one fading leaner that he had driving the lane uh, early on in the first half was really impressive. And, you know, those kind of shots aren't always going to fall, but it's nice to see him playing with that level of aggression because, and it's something that we heard Devin Booker say after the game, um, that's what they need from him. They, you know, he's already impactful enough defensively to belong in the starting lineup, to belong on that court for a winning team. But when he brings that level of aggression on the offensive end, too, he's going to be a very, very good player. Yeah, with Mikhail especially, we saw at the end of the season before the season went on pause for as long as it did, four and a half months, that he really was starting to turn that corner in March and early, late February because he was averaging, I think, around 15 points per game. His shooting went way up around 39% from three-point range. What does it mean, Gerald, if Mikhail maintains or even improved on his game offensively over this hiatus because – I think we're in for a very fun, not only bubble period for McHale, but also in 2020, 2021, this could be a really fun breakout period for McHale. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at the slate of opponents that the Suns have in this bubble 
um, you know, the Ben Simmons, the Paul Georges, the wings, the just elite players that he's going to be matched up against. And this is definitely an opportunity for him to kind of break out and show what he can do, um, especially defensively. And like we said, if he brings that offensive aggression as well, like that's, that's going to be his coming out party. And it, it's unfortunate that it might only be eight games long, but you know, that could segue into a, a real breakout season where he puts his name on the map, because I think that kind of happened for Suns fans who are paying attention to him this season. He doesn't have big numbers or anything like that, but his impact to Suns fans who were tuning in every night was very clear. I think these eight games and then next season will be when the national audience starts to take more notice. Yeah, if this continues for Mikhail, it's going to be a very fun next eight games for this Suns team, including these scrimmage games where Mikhail definitely has the ultra green light, so to say. And I think if this continues, Mikhail is on a very high upward trajectory here. But let's move on to our biggest positive of tonight's game outside of Mikhail. Where's Devin Booker? I know he was inefficient tonight, four of 11 field goal attempts, so very aggressive early on. 13 points, two rebounds, three assists. Looked like he controlled the floor, and no surprise, Jerry. Looked like the best player on the court tonight. Ripped through most of that first half of tonight's game before he barely played much in the second half there. What was your impression of Booker? Because right away we kind of saw why Devin Booker is Devin Booker. Right. I mean, he wasted no time. He was very aggressive as well, um, you know, weaving through pick and rolls and putting defenders on his back out of the switch as we've seen him do so many times, um, you know, just kind of feasting on that middle range area. Um, But no, he was good. And it was good to see him, you know, taking that initiative as far as getting the offense going early, you know, showing that while he's here in Orlando, he's definitely going to be out to make a name for himself. Um, And and that's great to see, even if it's just a scrimmage, even if it's a meaningless game, um, you know, this is against a playoff caliber team and these are games. It's the first time back on the floor for any of these guys against another team in four and a half months. So it was good to see him take that initiative and lead by example in that way. And uh, hopefully we continue to see that once the games start counting as well. One thing that Monty Williams told us beforehand before these games started in Orlando was we were probably going to see more of Deb Booker in our primary initiator role. I don't think we saw it honestly enough throughout the year, Gerald, but a lot today when Ricky Rubio sat out, we saw Ty Jerome play a lot of off ball and sort of a motion sense off the ball. I think with, with Booker, you saw tonight the playmaking ability. He's always underrated in that aspect there. But what was your opinion of seeing Booker kind of with these wings spread out alongside Ty Drum sort of in that off-ball role? And you had Mikhail, Cam Johnson at some points, Dario, all these guys kind of playing five out alongside him. Yeah, I mean, it's it's good to see. I think we – last year the whole point book thing was tough because he didn't have a lot of help around him and he was having to do everything as far as score – and facilitate and run the offense. This is much more optimal as far as, um, you know, putting the that playmaking ability to good use, putting shooters around him. Um, and, you know, Ty Jerome, he has kind of been up and down this season. Obviously, he's had his fair share of struggles when he's been on the court. But putting him in that off-ball role, um, you know, can utilize him as a spot-up shooter. He was very effective as a spot-up shooter in college as well. So, um, you know, that's, that's a good way to maybe help Jerome get some confidence as well um, instead of tasking him with, you know, running the offense all the time and setting other people up since he's still kind of feeling that whole rookie point guard experience out. So um, that's a good thing to see. And again, with Rubio out and with, 
there being no clear-cut favorite for those backup point guard minutes, um, you know, no standout option, it, it's good to put Booker in that role and kind of uh, allow him to work in that way as well. Of course, it's only a scrimmage game, Gerald, so I don't want to hyperanalyze this kind of action too much for Booker, but you see he was really that much pressure on tonight offensively, where most nights throughout his career we've seen that it kind of has to be all on Booker's shoulders, but tonight we saw Mikhail Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, stuff we're going to get to next, but also Dario Saric, Ty Jerome, Cam Johnson, a lot of team effort across the board tonight from the Suns team, where when Booker was on the court for his 20 minutes, it seemed like it wasn't all on his shoulders. Yeah, and that's that's kind of a, a relief to see. You see Booker set the tone, and you see guys rise to that same level. Um, you know, DeAndre Ayton, we saw him knock down a corner three tonight. We saw Mikael Bridges attacking the basket confidently and, and successfully. Um, you know, Ty Jerome had that step back right before the end of the half. Um, you had, I don't it was like six or seven guys in double figures um, obviously this is only a 40 minute game and, and it's just a scrimmage and, um, it doesn't ultimately mean anything, but you know, then you had Cam Johnson, nine points, Ty Jerome, eight points, Frank Kaminsky, eight points. Um, it was good to see the Suns actually have a bench that kind of performed. Um, and they got a lot more minutes than they normally would, of course. But, um, I, I think everybody for the most part played pretty well tonight and that's good to see because that's what it's going to take, especially, if Ubre is not able to play, and especially if, if Rubio's minutes are limited once uh, the, the official games start again. Moving on to the big fella now, Gerald. And we saw, I think, across the board, we're all on Twitter during the game. And when DeAndre Ayton hit that baseline three out of the, off the timeout there, and you saw Ty Jerome set him up, and he hit it right over Rudy Gobert in the corner there, what was your instant reaction to that? Because mine was like, it actually just happened. You know, we've been talking about for two and a half years at this point, it seemed like, but DeAndre Ayton finally made that three, and maybe that opens up Pandora's box now, so to say. Yeah, I mean, hopefully we don't have to wait until his 23rd birthday for his next three-pointer, but um, that was that was really cool to see, and I thought it had good arc on the shot. Um, you know, I, I'm glad that he confidently took it and didn't hesitate too much, and he saw what the defense was giving him, and it was open and he knocked it down. And that's what Monty and Devin Booker were both saying after the game that, you know, if the defense is going to sag, we want him to take that shot because he's put the work in, he's put the time in. Um, We haven't seen it manifest on the court, but hopefully that was the first glimpse of what we're about to see moving forward. And, you know, he doesn't have to be a 40% three point shooter, but if he can spread the floor, if he can make guys respect that shot, um, it's going to be very, it's going to open up a lot of things for this Suns offense. With the ever increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all the perks you need in a traditional chain storefront. So, why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry? Suns fans at rockauto.com, all that will go out the window and back into your pocket as you save so much money using Rock Auto. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto part customers online for 20 plus years. You can go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate as well. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and price you prefer. And best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same professionals do it yourselfers. 
So why spend the twice as much money for the same parts you can save so much money at rockauto.com? For example, a fuel pump assembly with your competitor is $354 while at Rock Auto it's $217. So Suns fans, as you can tell, that's a lot of extra money you save right back into your pocket. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on and their how'd you boss box and know we sent you. Again, write locked on, L-O-C-K-A-D-O-N, and their how'd you boss box. So now we say from Locked On Sun to save you some main selection with reliably low prices and all the parts your car will ever need. Go to rockauto.com right now and write Locked On in their How'd You Hear About Us box. So now Locked On Sun sent you. In 20 minutes time for the, the Suns, DeAndre had 13 points. He also chipped in eight rebounds, two assists. And it won't show up in the box score, Gerald. But I think defensively he showed up very well for himself once more tonight against Rudy Gobert and in switch situations. It seems like Aiden over the hiatus is even more comfortable now. He, he was improving – very much throughout his second year, but even over this break, it seems like Aiden's even progressed even more in that sense. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I, it's hard to tell from one scrimmage, but he was, he grew leaps and bounds on the defensive end this year. Um, just in terms of his effort, his awareness, um, his ability and willingness to contest shots around the basket. As a rookie, we saw a lot of times him just not contest or him be winded or just, was tired or, or just didn't feel like contesting a shot, whatever the reason might be. Um, there were times that it was kind of befuddling to watch guys get easy baskets um, just attacking him. That was not the case this season. And, and we actually saw him coming over to help and, and swat guys out of bounds uh, from a help side position too. So he, he still got work to do, but he's very effective already on the ball and as he continues to improve his off-ball awareness and positioning and, and effort on second-chance shots and stuff like that, um, he looks like he's going to be at least an average defender and possibly much better than that. So that's all you can really ask for as far as year-two improvements, even though this season was um, a little bit truncated for him because of the suspension. Yeah, good point to bring up there. And I wanted to ask you one more thing on Aiden here because, of course, we still have two more scrimmage games, eight more games in the bubble here for the Suns as far as regular season games go. What are your expectations? I know we saw a three kind of sneak preview that tonight, but what do you think are the next sort of steps you want to see from in Orlando? Um, from the team, I would like to see, you know, I would like to see them go at least 500. I think they've got a tough slate coming up. Um, for Aiden, I would really like to see him feast on the offensive glass because – you know, he's already one of the best offensive rebounders in the league. And you, a lot of these shots are going to be coming off the rim. They just are. After four and a half months off, guys are going to be a little rusty. There's going to be a lot of three-point attempts that go off the back iron. And uh, that's a good chance for him to kind of be a workhorse in the paint and on that offensive glass and just gobble those things up. Um, so I, I think if he does that, he could be another breakout guy for the Suns on a Suns team that's kind of – full of them at this point. Um, but yeah, I, I would like to see the Suns go 500, maybe five and three. That would be, I, I think that would be a really good outing for them. Um, hopefully Rubio will be healthy. Um, hopefully Ubre will be too, but uh, you know, you want as many of these core guys on the floor playing as much together as they possibly can. So that going into next season, uh, you know, not momentum, but you have a little bit more cohesion than you would have had if you had, this whole time off since March. 
Now, Ricky Rubio, obviously not playing tonight's game. He had his first practice with the team on Tuesday after recovering from COVID-19 and joined the team down in Orlando late in the bubble. But Ty Jerome got the start for him and played 25 minutes. And the first thing I even noticed from Ty Jerome was something that I noticed throughout the season too, which maybe was a negative that he worked on throughout, maybe just getting more comfortable with NBA minutes and NBA athletes alongside him was he really wasn't playing timid tonight, Drew, which I think was a big thing for Ty that at points last year, Seneca was kind of scared on the court and a little bit, it kind of got him out of his rhythm. And tonight, I think we noticed a lot that Ty looked more comfortable. And that's the biggest thing for a player like him, even though he lacks the athleticism, he lacks the speed, his high IQ and his ability to just be comfortable out there, I think it makes a big difference for him. Right. And I think coming into your first NBA season, coming off an injury and, and not going through, you know, that full training camp and all those practices and whatnot, um, that will impact your confidence for sure because you're already coming into it a little bit more timid than you normally would be. Um, and then you have to kind of work your way back into it, get your body right again. That definitely has an impact. But I, I think tonight we definitely saw him be a little more comfortable. Um, you know, he had that nice floater over Rudy Gobert early in the game. I think that definitely that that floater dropping helped his confidence and um, you know, by the end of the half, we were seeing him take step back jumpers and Mike Conley was just shaking his head in disbelief at what he was watching. So that was uh, that was good to see. Um, you know, he only shot three for nine tonight and was a minus one overall in his 25 minutes. But, um, you know, those little flashes that we see from him, those are good moving forward. And hopefully he can build on those, build that confidence, because, you know, right now that backup point guard spot is still very much for the taking, even though there's like four different candidates at this point. Yeah, Monty alluded that to us over the post-game Zoom call with the media that that open backup point guard competition is still very up in the air. You have Ty Jerome with the start tonight, but Cameron Payne in his son's debut drill looked pretty impressive. He had 11 points on five of seven shooting, and Monty mentioned that he loved how he worked out pick and roll to us tonight as well. What was your first impressions of seeing campaign in the Suns son's uniform? Because he really took me by surprise. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought he looked very poised. You know, he didn't look like a guy that was going to try and do too much to prove himself. He didn't look like a guy that was playing out of his league or out of his element. Um, he just looked comfortable. And I think part of that is the fact that he's been in this league for quite a while. And he, and he got this call up to join the Orlando bubble when he wasn't on an NBA team. And, and that's got to you know, light a fire under you for sure. But I think also part of it is that he's playing for a coach that he's comfortable with, with Monty Williams, a guy that he's familiar with from their time together in Oklahoma City, um, a guy who believes in him and who will give him opportunities as long as he continues to make good on them. Um, and he definitely did that tonight, you know, five of seven from the floor, 11 points, five rebounds, um, was a plus 11, and that's only in 17 minutes. So th that's, pr that's productivity, that's poise, um, that's not trying to do too much or, you know, make a name for yourself. I think he knew his role and he did a very good job, um, you know, showing that he knew his role in his first game with a new team. Now, when you look forward to the next game against Boston, then they have, uh, I believe, Toronto after that for your next three, two scrimmage games, and you dive into the eight bubble games for your regular season sort of matchups here for the Phoenix Suns. How curious are you to see how this backup point guard battle sort of goes between Ty Jerome campaign, but also can't forget Javon Carter who can get hot at some points. Monty loves his defense, his grittiness. How do you see it shaking out there, Gerald? Yeah. I mean, that's the question because we've been trying to answer this for all season long, you know, early on, it looked like it was Javon Carter who also played well tonight. Um, he had 10 points, shot two for three from the field. 
Um, and he's, you know, that bulldog defensively that will just hound people up and down the floor. Cameron Payne was poised as we talk about. Ty Jerome showed flashes and, you know, after spending a first round pick on him in this most recent draft um, and trading for that first round pick, um, he's a guy that the Suns would like to see pan out and they have high hopes for him. Um, but there are just so many options. And that's before even mentioning that Jalen LeCue and Elio Kobo aren't with the team yet. So uh, it's really anybody's guess because it's just flip-flopped back and forth and back and forth all year long. Nobody has really stepped up and kind of seized that mantle. And that's part of the reason why Cameron Payne is there in Orlando. Um, he does have that opening. I think ultimately Ty Jerome will get it. Whether he's the best player or not is up for debate. I just think the Suns believe in his future a little bit more than, um, you know, guys that could be gone as soon as next season with like Carter or Payne. Um, so that would be my guess. But honestly, I couldn't tell you definitively what I think will happen. Yeah, I would lean Ty right now too, but like you mentioned, Jero, it's anyone's guess. If campaign keeps getting hot through these scrimmages, maybe he takes the mantle from Ty. If Javon Carter gets hot, maybe he does it. It's sort of a, a roller coaster, so to say, at the back of point guard spot this year. And like you mentioned, maybe Elliot Kobo and Jalen LeCue, once they join the team, if they get minutes that are minutes at all if we see them sort of try to push their way into the race so to say but a few more topics here before I let you go Jero I want to hit on Cam Johnson for a second because a, a little bit of a struggle for Cam at the beginning of tonight's game he looked like he was a little um I wouldn't say scared because that's a bad word for it, but I would more more say like nervousness because he was like breaking a lot of shots air balls sometimes at some points but later on in the game he settled down and looked very much like the player we saw throughout his rookie year Gerald just confidence very high IQ player and it was very noticeable to me on TV at least that he did look muscular he he said to us over media call last week that he gained 10 to 12 pounds of muscle he's looking the part Gerald five rebounds tonight too that he can really maybe play a bigger role for this team in a three four type role yeah, absolutely. I think you hit the nail right on the head. He did look a little out of sorts early on. He had that one three-pointer from straight away that just like hit the backboard and wasn't even close. But I think after he settled down, he was a lot more effective and he was on the floor for a lot of the Suns' most productive stretches. Um, I, he was a game high plus 17 for the Suns in just 20 minutes. Um, and the Suns are going to need him to have good minutes. They're going to need him to be productive. Um, whether he's coming off the bench or whether he's in the starting lineup, depending on what Monty decides to do matchup-wise. Um, I, I, I think he'll keep Dario Saric in that four spot. But with Ubre out, uh, the minutes that he shares alongside Mikhail Bridges, alongside Saric, those are going to be huge. They're going to need him to hit shots. And the Suns are going to need to look for him for shots. You know, sometimes they don't get him the ball enough. And, and tonight, a little bit, he was kind of hesitant. Booker said he passed up a couple of threes and he told him to shoot those. Uh, but the Suns should be aiming for him to shoot, you know, six, seven, eight threes a game um, just because that's the kind of effective sharpshooter that he is. Um, and they want to maximize that potential. They should be looking for him in transition and off of spot ups and off of picks and things like that. So it'll be good for him to, you know, fight off those early that that rust that hesitancy early on and just keep shooting because they need his shooting they need his confidence um and he like you said he's gotten bigger and we already saw him throw down a couple of times this season um when he attacked the basket as well so if the suns get a confident cam johnson that'll go a long way in making them very competitive during this orlando bubble 
yeah, I think alongside Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson is one of the most intriguing players for me, at least during this Orlando stretch for this team, because if he does show more confidence, if he does continue to be a sharpshooter and add more to his game, it's going to open up a lot for the Suns offense moving forward here. But one more player went down with you, Gerald, is Daria Sharj tonight because he played 24 minutes. He was three of 10 from the field. It didn't look pretty at some points. So the way he moves around offense, it maybe isn't the sexiest Gerald, but he got to the free throw line nine times tonight. He was six, six of nine from the free throw line. What was your impression of a more aggressive Daria where Monty mentioned to us post game as well that, it seemed like Dario was more confident. He was the most talkative he's ever been as far as, as far as Monty's team with the Suns or even in Philadelphia. What was your impression of Dario tonight in a more confident role? Yeah, I mean, the first thing that stood out to me was his physicality. Like, he, he's always been one of the more physical players on the Suns, but tonight he was just bodying people, and, and it's because he's gotten in such good shape and, and put on some muscle and – um, you know, his conditioning, Monty was praising him for that. So he's not afraid to move guys around on the block. And a couple of times it, it got him fouls, that one foul over the back call that he had. Um, and he didn't shoot the ball well tonight. It was only three of 10 and missed all three of his threes. But like you said, he got to the line. He was forcing the issue. He was talking. Um, and all of that is great to see from a guy that at times, both with the Suns and his last two teams, would kind of fade into the background a little bit. It's very much a confidence thing with him, an aggressive thing with him. Um, so it's good to see that when he brings that to the table, he has such a positive impact. And, and Sharich's impact, to be clear, goes underrated. It goes under the radar a lot of the time um, just because he's not always putting up big scoring or rebounding numbers. But he's a very physical player who can play the four or the five, depending on what Monty wants to do. And having that versatility will be very helpful, especially if he plays with that kind of confidence and physicality uh, during this restart. How important do you think these scrimmage games, even more so the eight bubble games, are for Dario, Gerald? Because it seems like he knows it's his kind of last chance of this team. He's a restricted free agent. The Suns can also bring him back on his restricted tag for $5.1 million next year. But I think it's still up in the air, Dario's future with this team. I think he knows that. and He's going to be more aggressive, going to be more into it. I know you mentioned he really took care of his body over the hiatus, working out six six days a week, according to Sharch on media calls with us. What do you think is going to be with Dario during this bubble environment? Because I think he knows the pressure's on here. Yeah, absolutely. This is kind of a make or break couple of games for him because if Kelly Oubre were healthy, he wouldn't be starting. He'd be in that six-man role and uh, he wasn't great at that at times during the regular season once the Suns kind of figured out their best starting lineup. Um, so this is his opportunity to prove his fit with this team, even if it's not in the role that he would probably be next year if, if the Suns did bring him back, whether it's for a year or beyond that. Um, so this is kind of his chance to prove that he can mesh with these guys, that he has something to offer this rebuild. Um, or to, you know, sway other teams like, hey, I'm a restricted free agent, look at what I can do kind of thing, because um, it is a contract year for him being a restricted free agent this summer. So um, it'll be interesting to see what he does with this opportunity. Obviously, he was very disciplined and diligent about, um, you know, working out and staying in shape over this long break, and it's it's showing early. Um, so if he is able to make the most of these minutes, then he'll either prove – to the Suns that they should, you know, give him more of a look next season and this off season, or it'll call out to prospective suitors like, you know, Hey, pay me, give me some money. 
Yeah, I really think this is a very important time for Dario. And whether it's with the Suns or somewhere else, he's very underrated, I think, in NBA circles. And if the Suns do bring him back on, let's say, his restricted tag next year, I think he's a very good option off the bench for this team if they want to go in that direction. But really quickly, Gerald, Aaron Baines, we I have not discussed on the show yet. He was diagnosed with COVID-19. We knew Ricky Rubio. He mentioned to us on his Zoom call earlier this week that he had COVID-19. And he was able to return to the bubble. It seems like Baines' process is a little bit longer, though, Gerald. He's, he mentioned Asham Sharani's had for over a month now. He's still reportedly testing positive here. What's the loss of Baines going to do for this rotation in Orlando? And I know John Gamadoro mentioned that Baines should be going to Orlando as soon as he clears positive twice, which is the NBA protocol here. But missing Baines in Orlando, what's the impact thing for this team? Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of ensures that uh, they have to go small to respond to size a lot of the time and probably a lot more than they might be comfortable with in some matchups because, you know, Aiton has improved defensively, but he can't play 48 minutes a night. And even if he did, he would probably get into foul trouble at some point. So at that point, when Aiton needs a breather or when he gets two cheap fouls early, then Monty has a couple of decisions to make. Do you shift Dario Saric over to the five and play undersized that way? Do you give Cech Tialo minutes? Do you put Frank Kaminsky at the five where he was routinely roasted at that position uh, once the Suns were shorthanded without Baines early in the season? Um, so not having Baines kind of hurts the Suns' center depth um, in a way that all of the other options aren't great. They can kind of cover it by committee, but um, kind of like the Suns' backup point guard situation, there is no like set best answer because all of the possible options have very real strengths and weaknesses. Um, I, I, I think Kaminsky or Diallo can kind of fill that role, and you know Sharich at the five, he's he's a stout guy in there. Like it's hard to move him around, but just the height disadvantage there is very real. So it kind of comes down to matchup. It, Depends on how many minutes they can ride Aiton for. Um, but obviously the Suns would really like to have a healthy COVID-free Baines back um, as soon as they can. Gerald, I always enjoy talking with you, man. You can go follow him on Twitter if you have not already, at Gerald Borgay, and go read his work, please, over at Fantide and the Step Back. Gerald, appreciate the time. Absolutely, Evan. Thanks for having me.